Bass Edge. Welcome to the early June edition of Bass Edge Radio. We're bringing you the most informative bass fishing information on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for another interesting intro, Kurt. MegaWare Keelguard continues to be the proud supporter of Bass Edge, and we are sure to use many of their products. Be sure to check out Keelguard.com to protect your watercraft from many harmful effects of trailering on the road and riding on the water. Aaron, I'll tell you what, the spring is creeping by finally, and we have some great tips coming up for post-spawn fishing. We have another Bass Edge rookie with us today in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. We believe we have another great show coming up. Bass Edge listeners, be sure and stay tuned with the latest Bass Edge information through our Facebook page, Twitter handle, and of course, BassEdge.com. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios, high above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. Aaron, it's great to be back here at Bass Edge. You know, I've been on the road like seven weeks. It is finally good to be back home. Absolutely. I know that you've been kind of a road warrior as of late. And Kurt, you know, while I'm thinking of it, I want to kind of throw our thoughts out to all of the victims in Oklahoma and the, the extreme weather that they've been having out there. I, I mean, here we are, you know, we're talking about bass fishing and the effects that weather has on that, but certainly there are a lot of individuals that are hurting as a result of that tornado. Yeah, Aaron, you're exactly right. It's amazing how the spring has really on folded and getting all these crazy wild storms now that we're you know we're heating up in the summertime and again you know just a week ago we have those storms in Oklahoma and in those effects and and certainly bringing out the thoughts and prayers for those folks absolutely you know Kurt speaking of heating up the water you know, it's getting warmer. I know you've had some experience just coming off of those events, that road trip that you took. Talk to us a little bit about kind of that post-spawn, that warmer water. I know you've had some interesting things, maybe that you don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, I know it's it's kind of bittersweet for you. I think it's important to bring it up. I fished an event a couple of weeks ago at Logan Martin, and uh, you talk about the post-spawn and the water temperature starting to rise. And, and the first day of the tournament, I, I got out of the gate really quick and caught a couple of really nice three-and-a-half-pound fish fish and, and a couple other keepers to go with it. And then all of a sudden, I looked at my live well at like 8 o'clock to make sure everything was functioning correctly, and, and it was, and, and I never lose fish. And, and all of a sudden, I see three fish in there that are gone. Um, you know, they've, they've been taken above, which was really disappointing. You know, th- those things cost you in tournament fishing. Uh, you know, you get penalized several ounces for each dead fish, and, and ultimately cost me a check in that event. But I think what's important to let the listeners know here is that you don't think about that fish care aspect a whole lot this time of year. Usually it's a summertime. You know, you think of water temps being in the high 70s to 80s and adding ice and and really having to focus on fish care for your tournament weigh-ins and that kind of thing so you don't receive any of those types of penalties. But I think that anglers and tournament anglers, obviously, specifically, need to really focus on that in this time of year. I've seen it before where these post-spawn fish, you know, just off the bed are really just 
tired of everything that's been going on. They're fatigued. And when you catch them and they're fighting for their life and then you throw them in a live well, it can cost their lives really quickly and then cost you money at the weigh-in stage. So a couple quick tips that I think we need to add to make our fishing a little bit more successful. And that is the first thing is take some ice. You know, in the summertime, we're, we're used to taking three, four bags of ice to put in these live wells throughout the day. And, and this time of year, you don't need three or four bags, you know, but take a, a bag or two and put some in right off the gate. You know, if our water temperatures are in the 70 degree mark, I think that's really when you start needed to add a little bit of ice. And I like to add it first thing in the morning. So as soon as you put that first fish or two in the live well, they're already a few degrees less than what it was. Also, you know, you've got some great products out there like Oxygenator, U2, Please Release Me, all kinds of additives. Make sure you use those additives and put those in your live well to make sure you calm those fish down too. That'll help a whole bunch. Aaron, what, what are some of the things you like to do to help your fish care? I think you hit on a lot and I think it's all about minimizing our footprint. Even if we're doing catch and release, you know, Kurt, I think that the reality is that when fish are coming off this spawn or post-spawn like we're talking about, you get the nail on the head. They're not feeling good. There's a lot of stress there. So just the simple fact of fighting on the end of your line, that's going to stress out that fish. But just to add on to a few things that you've already mentioned, normally if I am in a tournament situation which requires, you know, placing fish in the live well, I like to pump my live wells full right off the bat because normally in the morning, you know, right as the sun coming up, you can get that cooler surface water versus waiting until later in the day. Additionally, my boat comes rigged with a thermometer in the live well that shows up on a sensor on the front. So that gives me a digital readout. Therefore, I can kind of monitor that. And then finally, I think it's also extremely important that when we're talking about feeding ice into the live well, I'll never forget. We've had pond boss Bob Lusk, our fisheries biologist expert on here, talk a lot about this. Don't dump a whole bag full of ice, you know, just right into the live well. That's a quick shocker. <laughs> yeah, it totally stresses them out. You know, try and keep that temperature close to the temperature that they've came out of. You know, so if you're catching these fish deep, in this case, sounds like, you know, you were probably post-spawn catching them a little bit shallower and it was more of a stress factor, but you've got to try and mimic that temperature as much as possible because they're already stressed. Yeah, that's exactly right. Good information there. So hopefully we don't have any listeners have any of those problems that I had last week because obviously it can be very costly very quickly. I tell you, you know, fishing over there in Alabama, that was at Lake Logan Martin. You know, I got to fish a bunch of Coosa River impoundments and, you know, I grew up on the Potomac River and, and fished a lot of that type of water. So it was good to get back into river fishing. But the difference over there in the Coosa River and many places in the U.S. is they had those spotted bass. Buddy, I'm going to tell you, those things are wild animals. I wish I could fish for them more often. I caught my personal best while I was there over on the Alabama River. I caught a spotted bass that weighed four pounds and seven ounces. That's my biggest so far. But, uh, you know, that's a crazy creature. They move a lot. They're almost, uh, you know, they don't hold the structure really good in those in those rivers when there's so much current. You know, they'll get on a, a current break or an eddy and they're there one day and boom, they're gone tomorrow. How does that change differently from lakes like you're used to, Aaron? Well, Kurt, for one thing, congratulations. I catch a four or five Coosa River spot. You might as well hook into a Volkswagen. Uh, <laughs> but no, they. I, I don't even think there's comparison. You know, I love fishing for a lot of the White River lakes, Table Rock, Bull Shoals, Beaver, you know, that whole series of lakes. We're fortunate to have a very good population of spotted bass. However, do not let that be confused with the Coosa River spot. I almost think that the Coosa River spot, like you said, it's 
gets its own. It's kind of like a Florida strain largemouth compared to the northern strain. They just do not act the same. And when a fish is constantly used to that current, they are going to act differently. And what I mean by that is if you take some of the spots that I'm used to fishing for, they hold structure very well. We can literally find schools through the winter, through the summer, that are relating to large schools of bait fish or certain tree rows or certain structure. And those fish are liable to stay there the entire summer as long as that food source stays there. Yeah, one thing I did find in fishing the Coosa River is, like you said, the current is king. And if you want to catch those bigger fish, you know, the current really positions them well. When you don't have the current, they seem to kind of roam out there in the river channel and, and they're hard to target. You can catch a lot of the smaller bass, you know, on seawalls or on brush piles or things like that. But the big giant spotted bass, they call them the magnum spots. They really love that big current. And a couple key tips for our listeners, what you want to look for when you're out there and fishing those Coosa River spots or any place that you're in a river system, whether it's smallmouth or largemouth or, or spotted bass, is to really notice the current and two or three different things. You got to notice the eddy breaks and where the current's going to run around the channel and then come in and you'll see a big water swirl in the back. Those fish are going to utilize those eddy breaks as ambush points. So it's not necessarily that they're behind a tree or a rock or some other kind of cover. It's really just the fact that the water is slowing down in a particular area and that becomes their ambush point. The second thing is they will also use, you know, those trees and rocks and those are really key in the dead middle of the current. So if you're fishing a river and the current is rushing really fast, any kind of thing that you can see that breaks the current, like that tree or rock, those fish are going to utilize that as ambush points. So it's a little bit different than your lake fishing, obviously, and the current is key. Make sure you notice the current and how the fish will set up with those, and that's how you want to present your baits. Kurt, great information. Throws me back to my days growing up, that kid on the bike taking the rod and reel down to the river, Burbis, Merrimack, all those different rivers that I used to fish. But man, you're talking my language right there <laughs> that's awesome well i tell you what we're gonna get set up here because we're bringing in a bass edge rookie with us we've got gerald swindle on the phone so let's take a break bass edge radio we'll be right back at legend boats we have one agenda to build the finest bass boat on the water it's our passion our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This episode of the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight brings a new personality to Backsedge listeners. A fellow you probably laughed with throughout the years as he is a specialist of funny one-liners. BASS elite angler and Toyota fishing team member, Gerald Swindle. Welcome to Bass Edge, Gerald. I'm glad to be here, guys. It's going to be a good morning. 
Well, Gerald, I am excited to have you along here on Bass Edge Radio. And, you know, for many of us that have followed your career and appreciate comedy, I'd really got to know, have you ever done any stand-up comedy? And how is it that you come up with all of those crazy one-liners? I actually have done quite a bit of stand-up comedy. And actually, it's easier than fishing. I might end up going down that path because you sure don't have to work as hard. You know, <laughs> go on about 40 or 50 minutes. You ain't got to pre-fish it. You just go up and do it. But most of the one-liners, I don't even know where they come from. It's just thoughts that pop in your mind and ways of comparing things. And, you know, my granddad was real funny, always cutting up. My mom had several brothers that, well, two of them were alcoholics, but they were really funny guys. So I think it just got kind of <laughs> come to the family of just laughing. You know, growing up, uh, we lived uh, out on a farm, man. We, did, we just didn't have a lot of other entertainment. I just think as a kid, you just do stuff to entertain yourself. And things just starting to develop the way you look at things. It's mostly just insight on how it's comparing two things, but it just kind of pops in your head. Maybe it's because the fish don't bite. Sometimes I get bored. Well, Gerald, <laughs> you know, that kind of leads me into another question. Does that serve you well as far as kind of in your psychology as you're fishing? And, you know, you just seem to have a real good time all the time. You do. You have to almost laugh at it. Too much intensity is very bad on the water most of the time for me. Some guys it works well for, but for me, I, I get too intense and things just doesn't seem to flow as well. And now I'm, I'm able to back off more and just laugh at myself. If I do something stupid, I just call it out loud to my marshal. I'm like, that was a great decision. There was a lot of fish here. That's right. I didn't get a bite. Good call. So I think, you know, we laugh at that, but it's a way to kind of blow it off and get a fresh start. And, and uh, I think sometimes we take life too serious and, and the easiest person to laugh at is yourself. But what a great way to kind of uh, clear the slate on each stop or each day is to make light of what happened yesterday. In the big picture, guys, it still is fishing. It's not brain surgery. I don't want to get too intense where I take the fun out of it. That's a great way to look at it, Gerald. I probably need to adopt some of that. I beat myself up sometimes, and, you know, when you're out there, you know, making those little decisions just like you're talking about, if things don't go your way, real quick, that can roll into a don't go your way, don't go your way, don't go your way atmosphere. And uh, when you're able to just kind of blow it off like that and, you know, like you say, laugh at yourself or laugh well, with your we, buddy, it makes right. a big difference. And we start looking at that picture Kurt, we start looking at it negative, you know, one or two stops into the day and we're thinking, oh, crap, Kurt, you've done it again. Yep. You, you called this decision bad. And, you know, and then I've learned through working with a mind coach and a sports guy that a lot of those negative thoughts are really, really hard to erase. And it just seemed to work so much better for me this last week at Logan Martin. The first two places I went on the first morning, we didn't get a bite. And I told my partner, I said, that's your fish. We fished all your spots. Now we're going to mine now. You know, and he's got looking at me. I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to dwell or let one decision or one bad thing control my whole day and a lot of anglers do that because there's so much on the line we've paid that money you've done a lot of practice you go to your best what you think is your best area that's your best decision i'm throwing my aces on the table and it doesn't work out instead of panicking i just try to back off and laugh and say okay here we go again we're going to practice all day but gerald isn't that just good life advice too outside of just even fishing and i've really tried to adapt it more to my life every day after working with a mind coach you know because i always wanted to know how to get in the zone you know i was forever i was like you know i want to be in the zone when i want anger here i was in the zone everything just flowed it's like it was in slow motion i could see it coming and you know i was like you teach me how to get back to that zone and he goes yeah i can teach you how to get back there real quick and i'm like well how'd i do it he goes it's how you live your life it ain't got nothing to do with it on the water and i'm like dude you don't know what you 
talking about? <laughs> right. I'm like, I want to get in that zone. He goes, no, you create your own zone in your life. And it's how you wake up every morning, how you go to bed is what creates that positive energy, which then becomes the zone because everything you do, you feel comfortable with. You don't dwell on the bad. You don't get all bent out of shape because a fish come off. It's just one fish. He said, the day you can learn that a five pounder jumps off and instead of you going crazy and getting mad, you say, well, at least I know what the big ones are biting. He said, when you control that emotion to that level, you become in the zone and you win what you want to win. Gerald, you talk real quickly there about mind coach and, and psychology of fishing and those types of things. Is that something that you've done in your past, you know, as part of your career? Or is that something you continue to do even now today? I've done it. After I lost my brother, I struggled for a couple of months and was having a really, really rough year. And I hired a mind coach to try to help me understand the feelings and what I was doing with water. And then I kind of adapted it to life. And I've actually keep in touch with this guy. It just seems like I don't work on it as much in this last year or two because of scheduling. But I, my wife and I have actually talked into getting back to it because it's a constant reminder of how to live life, uh, what's important, treating other people. I mean, it comes down to little things. It's how you treat people, being able to say positive things about people, don't point out the negative. And then that kind of flows into a better lifestyle. So it's actually something, Kurt, even after I worked on it with two years from him, that I constantly have to go back and read my notes and kind of go back because the human mind wants to go back and be negative so easy. It's just too easy to be negative and you have to really concentrate on the good things to stay positive. I got to say, you know, previously, obviously I fished the elites back in 06 through 08 and I went through a lot of those negative thoughts and, and those processes and, and I reached out to something like that and I felt it working for me and, and once I, I kind of dismissed, you know, fishing the elites for financial concerns, it's something that I hadn't really thought about again but uh, those kinds of things really make a huge difference. Obviously it's made a big difference for you. I felt it in a little bit in my career, and I think all of us need to look at those types of things because it's so important to keep the positivity, keep rolling forward, and let's face it, you know, it, it is fishing after all. So, uh, exactly, the intensity will break you down. And it, I'm amazed now at how many more guys on tour have gotten mind coaches. Some of the guys, top names, have even hired my mind coach just because they want to get back to the good place in life mentally, whether it's on the water or in your house. I think being a good person and being a good man is what makes a good angler. Agreed. Well, hey, Gerald, let's switch topics a little bit right here, and let's talk about some fishing techniques. You know, you're accomplished at all kinds of different techniques, and part of what makes Gerald Swindle Gerald Swindle is being able to adapt to many types of conditions, and, and you've become kind of that expert at junk fishing. You've talked about it a lot, and uh, let's talk to our listeners a little bit about what decision process makes an angler decide to junk fish rather than try to really establish a pattern. I just think it's a, it's a situation you're forced into on a tournament fishing because things change so fast you think you've read the puzzle right uh day two changes and instead of just riding that train to the end going hey i caught him yesterday on a drop shot i'm going to drop shot all day today at 11 o'clock if you ain't got a bite i say instead of riding the train with no people on it let's try something new and i think over the years i've become to adjust faster to that and i think you establish this crazy confidence that you will do that stuff i think when you're not fishing as well maybe or your confidence is not where it needs to be it's so hard to make a decision to abandon practice and fish something new. I mean, it, it's the hardest thing to ever do. And now I've gotten more comfortable with that. If I fish two spots and I've been catching them on a spinnerbait and I ain't biting a spinnerbait, I'm very content with laying that down and not messing with it anymore and trying something new. I've slowly learned that the game of high-level bass fishing is a game of survival. Not every round do you have a chance to win, but what you end up doing is trying to defend getting knocked out. So that's how I kind of play the game. Is I realize at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, if my key stuff ain't going, just don't get 
get knocked out, stay in the game. So that forces your hand to learn more techniques and get more comfortable with them. The more you do that, Kurt, I think junk fishing just kind of starts to come natural to you that it's just I'll do whatever I got to do to survive today and then we'll try to win tomorrow. Gotcha. A lot of times, you know, we're kind of entering this post-spawn stage of the year. You know, a lot of the South, obviously, this extended spring that we've had. And really junk fishing, it works really well in the fall when the fish are chasing bait and aren't really positioned on a lot of things. But this time of year in the post-spawn, as we enter early June, junk fishing becomes an effective tool right now. Why is it that this post-spawn time of year makes junk fishing a player? Because fish, I think, are doing so many different things. You have a few fish still garden fry. You may have a few late ones on the bed. You have several on the post-spawn area where they're really starting to just kind of suspend around dock poles or marinas. The shad are starting to spawn. You actually have some fish moving to deep structure. So there's so much going on in the lake that when a junk fisherman seems to excel, he can go out in the morning and throw some top water. He can swim a jig. He may throw a chatterbait. And then he can bounce around. He may flip a worm around some lighter cover. He may end up cranking a big plug. I think post-spawn, to me, is the best junk fishing time of year there is. It offers a guy several ways to catch them. But most tournaments that are fish this time of year are usually won on multiple baits. It's usually not ever just one technique. You know, listening to your reply there, Gerald, I'm thinking about the weekend recreational angler who has limited time, maybe a few vacation days. And it kind of almost sets up just like what you described, fishing a tournament you've got to really kind of try and capitalize within a limited amount of time that you have. And as you're moving from technique to technique while junk fishing, how do you keep a focused thought process of what area or what type of area to target next? Because I'm sure you have a million things going through your mind, and how do you control kind of that mental warfare that's going on? I think you combat that two or three different ways. One of the simple things I do to help with the clarity of my mind is, this is going to sound so elementary, is if I caught him on a spinnerbait for two hours and it quit and I haven't had a bite and I go to change rods, you guys are going to laugh. I will physically put that rod back in the box as a closure in my mind that I'm done with that, and I'm going to start with a new weapon, whatever I choose it to be. And then the other part of that is I always do the scenario that I feel like bass fishing is a lot like shooting waterfowl or shooting a dove. You almost have to shoot where the bird's going to be and not where he's been. And a lot of times fishermen fish where the fish have been, but very few times that they look in the future to see where these fish might be moving. For instance, at Logan Martin, you had a shad spawn, and as soon as they come off the shad spawn, your next guess is where did those fish go? At 7 o'clock when I'm catching them on the shad spawn, I'm thinking in my mind, where is these fish going to go at 9 o'clock, which it kind of like starts playing the guessing game. So my next decision, kind of stay out in front, physically close the chapter. When I decide I'm done with the buzz bait, put it up. Don't leave it cluttering your deck. I'm done with that thought. My gut instinct has led me to throw a 1.5 or a square lip crankbait. I'm going to believe in that gut feeling enough that I'm going to wholeheartedly fish it, which means putting one down, picking one up, fully believing in it, not making forecasts with it, laying it back down, going, ah, I'm going to try something else. That's not junk fishing. That's called strictly confusion. <laughs> I promise you, I've done them both. I know exactly when you're doing them right, but so many guys put 10 or 15 rods up there, make forecasts with one, forecast with the other. It seems like you're just totally guessing but with only making a few casts of that bait, you didn't give it an opportunity. If your gut feeling told you to throw a frog, and Kurt, I'm sure you've experienced it a hundred times, that gut feeling's burning you alive to do something. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. You don't owe that feeling to cast. 
fish it till you feel like you've done exactly what you need to do if you fished it right. You've covered enough water, you should have got a strike. Three casts around a dock and then gone with it, that's probably not giving it ample time. When I get that gut feeling, I'm going to give it 100%. Yeah, a few casts around a dock's not necessarily dock fishing, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. Winging an Alabama rig out across from a marina doesn't mean you covered the suspended fish with an A rig and the D fish at the same time. It means you were in a panic and you were trying to Hail Mary. Hey, now, I resemble that, so... <laughs> All right, Bass Edge Nation, hang tight as we are going to take a short break. You're listening to Gerald Swindle on Bass Edge Radio, presented by Keelguard. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a super start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every super start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, super start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. Bass Edge is back and continuing to chat with Gerald Swindle in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. Well, Gerald, you know you were talking a little bit about Logan Martin and, and a tournament that we fished a couple weeks ago, obviously a BASS Open out there, and a little bit of frog fishing. Actually, I did quite a bit of frog fishing in that event, and that was focusing around some of the bluegill beds that were forming and kind of taking place. And this is a big bass technique that is currently happening in many parts of the country. Can you walk our listeners through how you would identify a good area and ways to target those big bass that hang around those bluegill buffets? Well, I think you can. Pretty simple. I mean, in locating those brim beds, it's usually the trickiest part. You know, the old timers, and you can smell them. If you get in the right bay, a lot of sand, a lot of gravel, you'll notice you'll find more brim beds in certain areas, marinas. The hardest thing is visually putting your eyes on the brim beds, seeing them, knowing that they're there. Then you can kind of watch. You can back off and sit, and when you see a few large bass lurking out in the shadows watching those brim beds, they're going to attack them, and you can trigger that fish to bite. I spend more time locating the brim beds than I do actually fishing for them during practice. I want to find as many brim beds as I can. I know that on Monday, even if a giant bass wasn't watching that brim bed, I couldn't find him in the shadows. I pretty much know he's going to be there in the next few days because it's their time to to feed. They're done spawning and they're keying on those brims. So if you can just locate them with your eyes, you're always better off. Then naturally you got your poppers, you got your prop baits, even your frogs. And I can always tell you, your first cast on a brim bed is usually going to be your best. When you approach it, don't make a long shot. Don't get impatient and think, you know, it's like I'm trolling up to it. I can't stand it. I got to throw. Make that first cast count. Actually study where you want the bait to hit to keep it across the brim bed the longest. If there's a shadow on the outside or behind it, 90% of the time that's where the bass is going to be. And that's where I'm going to want my bait to hit is be in that shadow. So Kind of study your target. It's almost like a video game. You know the brim's there. You can see them up there. That bass is there. The first cast is everything. Gerald, how long will this effect take place? You know, is it just something that's, you know, kind of an early summer deal? Does it last all year? How long do you target I've, this type of thing? I've seen it go all the way through, you know, the middle of June on Gunnersville, especially if we have the right weather where we have a lingering spring and the water temperatures doesn't just skyrocket right up because you'll have some brim maybe bed the first moon in May. 
and then they'll hit right on the first moon in June. Well, if that comes on the first week of June, those bass are going to return to that area and feed on them. They know they're there. It's just something that's going to happen. So it can last. I've seen it last a month. I have seen it last as short as seven to ten days. As the weather gets too hot, too fast, the brim will get done real quick and be gone. So I still look for it, man. If I keep kind of medium spring, I'm looking for it all the way through June. Well, Gerald, all this talk about the junk fishing and, and really is just another word, I think, for your versatility. You've got to have something kind of in your arsenal that is your go-to bay, your favorite fishing technique. Can you tell us what that is and why? You know, I like to throw a jig a lot, and I like to flip and pitch a lot, not necessarily heavy cover. I've gotten in the last six or eight years where I depend more on, I call it like the 9 sixteenths of the tackle box, my go-to tool to get everything done, is I pitch a lot of 16-pound or 18-pound fluorocarbon with a quarter or 3 16-ounce weight, and I pitch a lot like the Zoom Magnum Finesse Worm. It's just a fatter version of the Finesse Worm. I'm pitching it on lighter tackle, just trying to get bites, just trying to look for those two-pound fish the two-and-a-half-pound fish that are normally a little bit intimidated after pressure, whether they won't bite a jig or a crankbait. So I use a lot of more finesse style flipping than I used to. The square lip's one of my go-to techniques. But actually skipping a jig and casting a smaller jig, a quarter-ounce, a three-eighth-ounce, when I get really in a bind and I need to catch a big fish, I know I can rely on that. Yeah, the jig fishing is always a great go-to to get a quality bite. It sounds like that you've really dialed in, you know, what Gerald Swindle's about. And as anglers, when we do that, how important is that for an angler to be successful to understand who they are as a fisherman? I think it's 100% the battle curve. You're no different than a major league pitcher. You have to know your strength is an outside breaking ball and inside heat, and you got to throw those pitches to try to win the game. I think as an angler, you have to know that. You have to know who you are, what you're most comfortable doing when you feel like the chips are down. When all hope's gone, what rod are you going to pick up to try to redeem it? And I think once you establish that, you get a lot more comfortable on the front deck of that boat. You don't make a lot of hesitant crazy deals going in your mind you pretty much know this is who i am i'm a square lip i'm a light jig i'm a finesse flipping fool this is what i'm going to do anything else around that is just putting sugar in the pie i'm going to make it happen and i think a lot of anglers are still searching for themselves out there on the water not just the fish they're searching for who they are and what's going to be their style of fishing right good stuff growing up in virginia Potomac River was my homeland, and, you know, I grew up a river fisherman. I tried to become more seasoned and moved out here to Texas to Lake Amistad, and obviously it's a whole different game, so I feel like I'm even still myself. Being on the Elite Series and doing several different things, that's an important part. I'm not sure I'm totally there yet. And it's the toughest thing to do, Kurt, is see those conditions coming from shallow, grass, current, tidal, to where you live now, man, that's a hard comfort swing. And a lot of anglers never establish it. The ones that do, you see them excel just like you light a rocket and shoot them out into space. They're gone because they're very comfortable in what they're doing. Exactly. Well, let's move on to the professional parts people, O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. Jared, we've got a question from Randy Shepard from Canton, North Carolina. And Randy asks, I live in the mountains of beautiful western North Carolina and fish a very clear water lake with lots of smallmouth and large largemouth. I'm going to try the Alabama rig. What size braided line do you recommend for an open face reel? Again, that question is from Randy Shepard. Randy, I'll tell you, thanks for the question. And it sounds like with the water being clear, that deep, the smallmouth, largemouth, they're going to be pretty tough to catch anyway. But I'll tell you a technique that I've been using on the Alabama rig that I found that works for me is probably better than braid. It seems like the style is more the finesse Alabama rigs, the real small ones with smaller baits, especially in that clear water to try to trick those fish. I've actually started throwing 16-pound fluorocarbon on my Alabama rig, and it, I've seen it gotten more bites. It's easier to cast. It's easier to feel 
things. Now, no guys are saying, oh, you might break one off. I'll give up breaking one off if I hang it up deep for the castability, the feel of it. The whole thing fishes different. So try you some 15 or 16-pound fluorocarbon on your spinning rod. Check it out. I'm sure you're going to like it. Once you do it, you're going to be like, this is the ticket right here. It's easier to tie on. It's easier to keep up with. It's all you need. You're fishing wire hooks on those baits. Most people have 65-pound braid and a shaking head for a hook, which is like putting flip-flops on an elephant. It makes no sense at all. Why would you want line you could drag a truck with a hook you can straighten out with 10-pound line? So you really doesn't need that. You're throwing wire hooks on those baits. Try some lighter fluorocarbon. It's going to cast easier, fish better. You're going to enjoy it a lot better, and you're going to get more bites. There you have it, Randy, straight from Gerald Swindle. What an insightful response. Randy Shepard, congratulations for having your question chosen. Please be sure to contact us here at Bass Edge, stating you heard your question on the show to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And remember, any listener can be the next $100 gift card winner by sending in your questions along with your name and hometown to Bass Edge Radio through our email, support at BassEdge.com, or you can post them on Bass Edge's Facebook page or tweet them through our Twitter handle at Bass Edge. When your question is chosen to be answered on the show, let us know you heard it via email and you'll win that $100 gift card from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, Gerald, it has really been a pleasure and I appreciate you taking time and being with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Any last thoughts out there for Bass Edge Nation? I would say just fish hard. Get out there and get it done. Anytime you're on the water, is better in the office. You know, I would rather catch bass as I would cut grass so I always look for reason to leave the house. You guys get a chance. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm on there all the time. You'll know it's me because I misspell all the words. <laughs> I look forward to seeing y'all on Facebook. Well, thanks a bunch, Gerald. And stay with us. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerful is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerful, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. This is Skeet Reese, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. That was an awesome interview with Gerald we just had. And I tell you what, Aaron, you know, he brings up something that is not talked about a whole lot, and that's mind coach, mental, how we play this game, how we live our lives. It has such a profound effect on how successful you are in life, and in our case right now as Bass Edge, in fishing. It's an amazing tool that we have to utilize correctly. You're right, Kurt, and really it's a journey. You know, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but I can't think of a better scenario 
scenario than the days with Dr. Jay McNamara, the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing book that has been flying off the shelves and his involvement not only with the TV show. And that's really what he dives off into is how that psychology and how those mind games that we play on ourselves not only applies to fishing, but just throughout life. They're the same principles. Yeah. I think also an interesting thing that was brought up in the interview is that it's not something that you just go out and you do it and you learn to ride this psychological bike and then you're riding it for the rest of your life. It's something that you got to continue to work on. It's got to be, you know, something that's in the forefront of your interests in order to keep on top of it and to be successful at it. It's something that you have to continually address and address and address as you live life and as you experience different things and fish different tournaments. And as you lose each fish or catch each fish, whatever's happening, you've got to keep that in the forefront of your mind. So great stuff from Gerald and great stuff for all Bass Edge Nation. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I was sitting there thinking while you guys were talking about that, you know, me personally, it's like, why do I always stop something when it's working? And then, and then I got to go try and get back on the process instead of, you know, just sticking with it and making that a natural habit. That's going to be our goal for the next six months is to stick with what's working and get involved in some of the things that Gerald brought up and certainly some of the teachings of Dr. J. McNamara. All right, everybody, I would like to throw out a shout out to the G-Man, Gerald Swindle. Thank him for joining us on Bass Edge Radio presented by Keelguard. And thank you, the listeners, for being part of the Bass Edge family. For Kurt Dove and the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.